So you create this beautiful joy, then death is much easier when the moment comes that you feel like, oh, I'm enjoyed, I visit nice places, I think I'm dying, but it's all great, you know. So, and then plus we have supporters by the own beliefs. Well, now you believe God or Creator or... Uh, so when our you believe is there's nobody kind of forced as a Buddhist is where sub religion is so you see ourselves then then we're going to say why there's a Buddhas and all the rightful peaceful deities so and so but they are in the the, the manifestation on our minds you see there if we recognize then, we are already become Buddha. If we don't recognize, then we are suffering. Welcome back to The Sounds of Sand, presented by Science and Non-Duality. Today's guests are authors of a new book out on Sounds True called The Tibetan Book of the Dead for Beginners, A Guide to Living and Dying. And in this episode, we go into The Tibetan Book of the Dead and its cultural significance in the West, the West's death-phobic culture, the connections to dream yoga, what is meant by the bardo, the history of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, karma and rebirth, and how their new book can support both the living and dying. And the guests today are Venerable Lama Lanang Rinpoche, who is a teacher in the Vajrayana Buddhist tradition of the Ningya lineage of Tibetan Buddhism. And he was born in Tibet and currently directs the Jime Lingma Center in San Diego and teaches throughout the United States and internationally. And the other guest is his co-author, Morty Levine, who is the president of the Jigme Lingpa Center and the creator of the Meditation Pro Series that has taught meditation to more than 250,000 people. All today on The Sounds of Sand. Welcome to Science and Non-Duality. What is non-duality? The universal forces. It's the collective consciousness. Being aware. Trauma is not the external event that happens. Trauma is the impact of that event, which is the disconnection from ourselves. That matter is energy. Energy is matter. That's what EMC squared is about. There's a language without nouns. There is a language without subjugation. There's a language without objectifying. But if it's recorded, then we there is a collapse. But if it's not, then it's the infinite potentiality. All right, I'm here with Lama Lanang and Morty Levine for the Sounds of Sand. Thank you for being here so much. I'm excited to talk about your your new book and the story and the tradition of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Love to be here. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us here, Michael. Yeah. So how did you two come together and what was the genesis of this book? Well, um, I met Lama, I guess, about, uh, I think, six years ago. You know, I had was just turning 60 and started thinking about, okay, you know, no longer in my 50s, what's next? And of course, what's next is uh, preparing to, to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, I was looking for a teacher and um, found Lama, very lucky to have found him, studied with him for a number of years. And then, of course, when the pandemic kicked in, in uh, 2020, you remember the pandemic, don't you, Michael? I do. Uh, <laughs> we started seeing a lot of, of course, a lot of people dying mm-hmm. in the streets, right? They, were, they had the morgue outside on Fifth Avenue, you know, 
in Central Park. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of people dying, very unfortunate. And what was more unfortunate was people were very surprised and didn't know how to deal with it. Families, people who were in the hospital, couldn't see each other, touch each other. And we realized um, that, um, that something like this book can really help people and their families prepare to die. Don't wait until you're on your deathbed. It's very difficult at that point. So, and, and this is not something that we thought of. This is, this great teaching has been around from a great master from, you know, the, I think it's the eighth or ninth century, uh, Guru Padmasambhava and, and Lama Lanang, who's my teacher, is a master in, in this century. So what we're able to do is bring this great teaching, this great information to people, Buddhists, non-Buddhists, doesn't really matter. It will be of help to them uh, now until the rest of their lives. Wonderful. Lama, anything to add to that in the, the creation of this book or how you and Morty work together on the book? Um, not much. So when uh, Morty asked me we can do this uh, book and uh, also we start some interviews, then I said yes because I believe him because uh, he's a man with the words. When our, he says he stays in the words and also he accomplishes things. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, I will use my broken English. So he uh, and we work together and um, and then this book comes. So I'm like uh, thinking uh, this is a very wonderful idea and this is good for in these times because uh, anything benefit others, uh, I am, that's why I'm here. So yeah. that's why we started. Uh, I'm very, very happy. And I have Mori and uh, always he believes me and uh, and it comes, things come manifested. Yeah, so the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you know, I think people in, in certain contexts know this work and um, one of them specifically is, is in psychedelics, you know, Timothy Leary and there's this sort of cultural association in the West, in the U.S., perhaps. So uh, how did you deal with this or think about this in the creation of this book? Well, <laughs> when you ask most people, have you ever heard of the Tibetan Book of the Dead? People, most people say no. And the people that say yes have never read it. Mm -hmm. Not only have they never read it. And then there's a group of people that say yes, and I've read it. But then when you actually read some of the translations that are out there in English from the, for the Tibetan Book of the Dead, some of them are very dense, very hard to understand, unless you have an extensive background in Buddhism, extensive background in Tibetan Buddhism, especially. So it's not really uh, comprehensible to your average person. And that was a little... Uh, uh, upsetting to me because incredible value on teaching people how to live their lives and how to die and how to be reborn and have an auspicious rebirth. <clears throat> and yet that information just can't get out there. So I wasn't that, and I, and frankly, I'm very aware of the book by Timothy Leary and the psychedelics. And I didn't really, frankly, pay much attention to it. Although there's some fun stuff in there for sure, but I went straight to the source. Mm -hmm. The source for me is Lama Lanang mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and the source is um, the original trans, uh, manuscript from the 8th century. 
Great. And can you talk more about the, the lineage and the history of this book uh, and its significance in Vajrayana Buddhism? You want to say something? Uh, Ram Lama, why don't you talk about that? Would that be okay? Yeah, that's fine. Um, yes. Uh, uh, in this book is, uh, of course, in the, there are the sources and teachings come from and the Vajrayana Buddhist, uh, you know, the Tantric uh, Buddhist. But this one is not really a deeper Tantric level or Vajrayana level. This is more for kind of uh, anybody can wants to follow. Uh, it's just sort of somebody's non-Buddhist Christianity or Judaism or whenever they follow the religion. It's like our tension is really wanted to benefit them. Uh, and uh, if somebody really wants to sort of deeper connections with the, the in Tantric, uh, somebody study Tantric Buddhist and Vajrayana Buddhist, and then I think it's very good to uh, the, the Tibetan book when uh, died by Sojirambhoche has more information. And but. You have to understand us the what is the peaceful deities and wrathful deities. So, and that levels is in the, I think it's these books for in this day, for even though somebody, somebody not a Buddhist, they can all just worry about something dying, they can connect with this book. And somebody want to help somebody in kind of, there's some uh, support to help. Uh, so, uh, you know, and uh, somebody, I say, if really wanted to know uh, in deeper levels, so they should take first the empowerment and the transmissions and then study and uh, practice deeper levels of the Karlam uh, Zhuto and uh, the whole uh, whole book, and uh, that way, really uh, build a beautiful connection with the book, because uh, you see, um, there's a in uh, uh, in the Shuto and uh, the six the six part of teachings of the book. Uh, somehow, there when you are in uh, the state of the dying, uh, there's um, it's called Sorosermum Dagsigans, like a yellow bird's head holding the bow and arrow. You see, uh, what happens is <clears throat> once there's a lady in Tibet, and then she has a son. She, the son was uh, uh, practiced how to read uh, the Shuto book. Uh, and he was then, mother said, what the yellow birds had holding the bow and arrow? What do to that? And then say, Mom, that's the right for deities. When we are in the Pardo, and we're going to see the, all the deities appears in our mind. If you recognize, you have chance to free from samsara. Then mother said, Oh, yellow birds had yellow birds had. She repeated few times. You see, when their mother died. And then they invite High Lama to do poa. You see, in Tibetan, there's a poa. There's uh, special rituals for uh, the, 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 
transmit for transfer the consciousness moment of the death. So that this Lama did power. Then this Lama was doing power, and in the end he said, Amazing, I really don't need to do power because she liberated herself. But when these uh, yellow birds had holding the bow and arrow pierced that moment, she, oh, this is a Buddha. There's a sort of intimate uh, devotion that moment she was liberated. So uh, what I'm, this, what I'm, why I'm saying this is you see in that case, uh, sort of if somebody wanted to deeper uh, study, uh, to build into their minds, build into to their practice, indefinitely tremendous benefit in the others. But this one is like somebody wants to just start with this and then uh, secondly, deeper, deeper, so they can go deeper. So that's it. just my ideas. Mm-hmm. Right, so people can read this book and, um, you know. They like, they, they want to read the, the full. Uh, another, the book, the, the big book, and then from there, they mm-hmm. start. Beautiful. Deeper. Mm-hmm. And is there a connection uh, between uh, Tibetan dream yoga and the Tibetan Book of the Dead in the practices uh, that one can cultivate? Uh, I've heard dream yoga sort of um, described in terms of lucid dreaming. Um, So are there there connections there between the bardo states and the dream states? Uh, There's so many, you know, that's just a big topic you open up. So there's so many ways we can talk about that. It is in the, in the Buddhist, in Tibetan Buddhist, we say everything's dream. And our past is already no difference to the last night's dream. Our future is dreaming. This is like a, the kind of, the, this moment is kind of enter into the dream, so dream state. And in, that's why in the, why we are suffering here in the samsara is uh, because we don't recognize this is dream, so we have to need to wake up. Uh, so in that the case as well, but also in, in Tibetan, the book of Live and Die, so also they talk about the six pardos. So the, the, the dream pardo, uh, when you study the dream pardo, is a sort of uh, first is you have to recognize dream, uh, uh, then you have to practice the meditation of Jimbardo to make understand us that everything is like a dream, you see. Uh, so that's why it's a very important part of uh, these books. So book of Live and Die has a, there's a serious teachings of uh, the Jimbardo. They're connected. Then all the teachings of the Buddha come by in the six pardos in Bai Sambhava. Mm. Right. <laughs> so there's a bit of um, a bit of a um, symbolic death that we have each night that we go into this dream space, and it's almost um, it's it's like a, a a mini version of the bardo that we'll face when we mm-hmm. go to sleep finally, you know, the final sleep and our death. Yeah, that's what we call um, the half of the life is we are uh, sleeping. <clears throat> half of the life is we think, is, oh, this is not dreaming. But actually, 
not really difference. When you are not dreaming, you never think that that's the dreaming. You always have sometimes so mad, sometimes you cry, and even though you wake up, you're really crying. And sometimes it's even though choke ourselves you know, in the dream, try to, somebody's choking ourselves. So this kind of, the dream is actually, what we just say is everything is dream. So, and that's why it's the very, very important part is the dream. Dream part though is very important part to need to study about the what is dream. Then you have to be recognized. First, how to practice the dream, recognize. When you recognize, then also you can work with the dreams. Like when I was a young person, I always kind of looking for good dreams, kind of, oh, I wish I can have good dreams. And uh, nowadays I like love bad dreams because uh, it's so much fun and you can uh, use it. Like you fall into water, you go just fall. You go into the water, you can dream state, you can go inside the mountains, you can go to so many things just sort of, fun, you know. Sometimes what I do is like, okay, I sure this is a dream. I touch my bed, like, oh, okay, it's dreaming. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> do things. So I just, just, just regularly just focus on dreaming. It's so important. Everything is like a dream and also teaches you impermanence and nothing you can really hold like a dream. Yeah, well, it, yeah, so, I mean, Lama's uh, explanation was phenomenal. The, the problem is that most people, when they're dreaming, they're so attached to what's going on. They don't know that they're dreaming. They're not aware, which is the same thing in, in, in when you're, like right now, I'm not sleeping, but most people are not aware of what's happening around them. So uh, thought comes into my mind, I get angry. I don't have control over my emotions, control over my state of mind because I don't have that clarity. And if you, and if I don't have control of my state of mind now, I'm certainly not gonna have control of my state of mind when I'm dreaming. Because in order to do some of the dreaming Lama was talking about, you need to be able to dream lucidly and know that you're dreaming. Most people can't. And if you can't do it in the dream state, then when it's time to die and you don't have a physical body anymore, your mind's already out of control, maybe even die angry, then you're certainly not gonna be able to have any degree of clarity and of your consciousness while you're in the bardo. And if you don't have it in the bardo, <laughs> then when it's time to reborn, eh, maybe your rebirth may not be as auspicious as you would like. Right now, we have an amazing dream. You see, you're in Philadelphia and Maureen in San Diego. I'm in Mexico. So we are here together one way, but the one way is in the computer. So exactly, it's, it's the daydream yeah. and that dream. It's a kind of amazing. And also, actually, last night, I had good dreams about my teacher who was taking me beautiful places. So and that was a good sign for uh, good dreams <laughs> for this meeting. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, well, I didn't intend to talk so much about dreams, but b- because you mentioned that, Lama, I often have dreams with uh, my deceased uh, loved ones and teachers too. And what is so fascinating is that when you meet them in this dream realm, the waking part of me that knows that they're dead isn't present, and I'm never questioning why they're here. And it's like I'm. It, it's just a. It's just a great opportunity to to meet and be with our ancestors in that in that dream space. It, it's almost like there's this, this timeless realm that this dream bardo is tapping into that's somehow connected to the past. Yeah, when you are in a dream state. Uh, you can uh, really uh, manifest things, and even though you can, in dream state, you can go to different realms receiving uh, teachings. The dreams uh, is kind of amazing when you know dreams. You can dream state, you can change things, like just kind of fire turn to water, water turn to fire, or you can do so many things. And the dream state is sort of, uh, so when I was uh, like many years ago, I was uh, have dreams about I'm died. Then I left my body and I can leave. And then I go to visit monastery friends, like what they're doing about. Uh, and nobody where. I was like, wow, you see, now you die, but you think they're your best friends, but they don't care. <laughs> so you see, it's kind also. Similarly, sometimes you think his best friend, you're sick. Some people say, I hope he dies soon because oh, he's suffering. <laughs> you see, the value of the friendship, value of the humans, we think sometimes we have this attachment to grasping, but nothing really can hold or <laughs> it's like a dream, you know? It is dream, but... Uh, it's need a big practice. Actually, when you study dream partner, you have to dream about daytime dreaming and nighttime dream. That's why you have to practice. I'd like to get into some of the specifics of the book. Uh, so, something that I would say Western people have a big problem with is is dying. Obviously, uh, and you know we're all dying. We're just at different rates of uh, you know. No one knows how close they are to death, of course. But uh, our Western culture likes to hide this fact. And uh, how can we use these teachings in the Tibetan Book of the Dead to prepare for death while we're still alive? Uh, there are so many ways we can uh, talk about it, but uh, and uh, when person this read this book, then realize you see the death is a very difficult thing for most Westerners, but the death is also very natural. You see, actually, when you are born, you're Mother is goes to 
almost die. She's like between Pardo and life. And the baby is also same thing, go through the unconsciousness. Sometimes it can breathe. So at that we born, right? Uh, but the people say, oh, congratulations, and people laughing. The one person, she will say, oh, 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old, they die. Then people cry, and the family friends said, please don't die, you see. So what is I'm saying is, if you know the death, the death is uh, uh, a peace or nirvana. If you don't know the death, death is the most difficult place you have to pass in because of the, our mind. That's why we have to train in. Like my, I, myself, I grew up in Tibet. Many elderly people, their 60s, 70s, oh, I don't want to work anymore. It's just they give it to the property or business to their children or friends. They go to monastery, they just begin to study and meditating about death dying. And then you see everybody dies, most people die in the city. And also they say, oh, please don't bother me today, so I feel I think I'm dying. And they sit and they die. And uh, sort of, oh, don't worry about me, I'm so happy because I'm just kindness of my Lama the kindness of I studied the death and dying. So I'm ready to go, you see. And here, I, I just have uh, countless stories about the people say, I can't die because my business is not finished. I can't die. My family need me, you see. Uh, so is some of these kind of people I meet and I talk to them. Afterwards, I cry myself, like, by myself, I met crying. Their 70s, 80s, now they ended their life. It's so, so different, the mind, the sitting and studies make a difference. So that's why I think our wish is people begins to realize this, to accept the death. Like, so, okay, I'm dying, but everybody's born, we all die. You see, not just sort of, I, I'm the one. So it just sort of then creating the joy in the life, what you want to joy to eat, where you want to joy to go, where you want to go on vacations. Also, in Finnish, some uh, connections with your friends or family members, you have some problems, you can say, I'm so sorry, make a peace. So you create this beautiful joy, then Death is much easier when the moment comes that you feel like, oh, I'm enjoyed, I visit nice places, I think I'm dying, but it's all great, you know. So, and then plus we have supporters by the own beliefs. Well, now you believe God or Creator or, uh, so when well, you believe there's nobody kind of forced. As a Buddhist, is where sub-religion, so you see ourselves, then then we're going to say why there's a Buddhas and all the wrathful, peaceful deities, so and so, but they are in the the, the manifestation on our minds, you see. There, if we recognize, then 
we are already become Buddha. If we don't recognize, then we are suffering. Yeah, you know, I think there's also, you know, people see the title Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, you know, you say, gee, you know, I'm 25, 30 years old, 40 years old. I'm not going to die for another 20, 30 years. I don't have to, I'm going to read that book when I'm ready to die or five years. You know, everyone thinks when you're younger, you're going to, we're going to be around a while. And in, in the Western world, everything around us, we think is also going to be in my house. Everything's very solid. My sense of self and who I am, very solid. I have all these attachments to money, to I have all these fears, things like that. And what the West is wonderful at doing is it lets us get around our fears. Fear of pain, oh, we have medication for that. <laughs> Fear of dying, I'm going to distract myself with something else. Um, and the problem with, with that type of mentality is uh, people are not happy as a result of that because the fact of the matter is not everything is solid. Everything's impermanent. So we get attached to something and then it's gone. So we get, we suffer, we have pain, we're disappointed. So we need to learn how to do more of what Lam is talking about, how to feel joy, recognize that everything's impermanent, including ourselves. That gives us a sense of freedom. It gives us a sense of joy and that can continue on until the day we die, whether we die tomorrow or 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So it's really a book that shows people how to live their lives, not just happy, but with a sense of freedom and liberation now. And that continues to the next moment, the next moment, the next day, the next month, the next year, until you die. So I want to couple things uh, when so yes, I think as the way I see is the in the Western world is most people say, oh okay, I went on to retire, then I will going to live in so and so place, then I really going to enjoy myself, I will going to do something, and then five years, ten years. Then one day they think as I'm on the bed and go to like a hundred years old, then I'm going to die. Like sort of, they have these beautiful dreams. That's nice, but then same time when the really difficult terms of sickness or somebody comes, then very hard time to accept that. The acceptance makes a difference. Like for example, I just wanted to share with you this story, two story, but there's, a, and I used to go to Canada every year. I, I went to Canada and I do sometimes just healing touches, put my hands and do some mantras and this kind of healings. And then this lady come for healing and I do the healing. And she says, Alama, I'm kind of die any moment. And I said, how come? You look healthy, you're a nice lady. I don't think you could die, you know? She said, oh, six years ago, uh, I went to the doctor. They said, oh, can cancer is over you. So you're going to be die in, in the six months, like shortest two months and longest six months. That day she went to her boss saying, I don't want to work anymore. The boss upset, said, why you didn't tell me in the, the like, list that gave me months? She said, I don't have choice. Then she told the story, then boss apologized. So then she go home and she called her girlfriend and said, 
you know, only I have six months, so you want to go to Thailand and somewhere she want to go vacation. Some friends say, oh, I don't have money. She said, I'll buy a ticket because I have some savings. And she said, then I'm just that moment, I said, okay, I'm die any moment. She just enjoys. She said, okay, now I'm six years later, still I'm here. I can die any moment, but I'm happy. I'm ready to die. You see, it's so beautiful. Then one year later, I went back to Canada. And then she called the, the family I stayed. Then they said, oh, she called you yesterday. Say, she needs to meet me. I said, okay. She says, and she's dying. So the next day they said, oh, you want to go? I said, if you drive me, yes, I want to go because she's calling yesterday. That's the karma. Somehow there's karma connection. I want to go. Then when I went, she was in the living room. She says, thank you, Lama, you are my guardian angel. So then she told her husband, her daughter, said, please go out. Then she said, what's like a death? Like what's going to happen to our senses and how what's happens to our mind and blah, blah, blah. She asked me all these details. And I tried to answer you know, how much as I can. The end, she's like, there's a, you have Tibetan Buddhist prayer. Somebody's dying. I said, yes. And I, I said, are you sure you're dying? She said, yes, now seven years I live. And I know now I'm dying. I know. Please, can you do that prayer? I said, okay. Then I did the power. She called her family coming in. She told the daughters, okay, my horse, give it to you. Then she juries, given her girlfriends, everything given away. Her husband was these somethings belong to your grandma, you want to give it away? She said, I'm dying, I don't need anything, just sort of giving. Then husband and daughters, they want to meet me in another room. They're like, what we do? She's going crazy. She was doing this start in the car yesterday. So what we do? I said, and in my mind, I don't think she's going to die. Just she was eating, talking, and so, and I said, you know, it doesn't matter. You have to love her, support her whenever her wishes. That's what you do. And uh, that was my advice. Then she's like, oh, I want to drink a milk today. My last day, so the organic milk, so and so. Okay, I want to eat some veggie, fresh vegetables. Oh, can you play my favorite music? So just she was doing all these things, I was there. And uh, then I left, and the next morning they called me. She passed away in the morning when sunrise. So you see, she accepted, and she's already, you know, then in so beautiful way she does. Like a sort of, that's a, I saw her, like in the, in the two years, the role was the amazing and kind of way I can see the difference. So um, then another time I was in Tijuana, there's one man who was, I think, a businessman and a bunch of cars, a bunch of people bought this man to me for healing. And uh, he was, the doctor told him, say, only two months to live. And he was grabbing me. So, 
you have I I heard your good healer. Can you save me? My family needs me. My business needs me. Like grabbing me, like not let go. And I'm just like calm, relaxed. I try to talk to, but she can't. He can't hear nothing what I say. So when they left, I was crying. Mm. So anyway, I'm sorry about taking so long to to put those stories, yeah, but. Uh, I thought maybe something um, kind of connection. Yeah, help, kinda. it helps people relate, you know, to hear these stories mm -hmm. of, yeah. Those two stories. Yeah, and there's a, a quote that opens the book from you, Lama, that the past is history, the future is mystery, and the present moment is a gift. And I just, I love these stories and what you're, what you're talking about, both of you, that when there's an acceptance that there's a you know a temporal end to this incarnation, uh, joy and gratitude and 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 love spring forth. You know, to say the present moment is a gift. You know, they they say the average human lives uh, two or three billion seconds. You know, so it's like we've been given two or three billion gifts in this life, each second, each precious moment. Uh, so yeah, I mean. What else would there be but joy and gratitude for this time that we have when we when we see it in that in that context that there's a finality to it? You know, this aren't this incarnation of 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 our lives. Yes, thank you. Yeah, we are here as the same reasons. We would play music and different things and meditation. 20 years the meditation study Buddha Dharma. And we are also same reasons we are here. That's why and long time ago in uh, in the space really connected now through the computer. Mm -hmm. One day maybe in a person we are having tea and laughing. <laughs> I would love that, yeah. You mentioned music. So one thing I wanted to ask about was, so a translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead is the great liberation by hearing during the intermediate state. I've, uh, in my, I mentioned to you, Lama, earlier that I was a musician. And one thing I've focused my music on is music for people in hospice, so people that are dying. And I was in a program uh, called Music for Healing and Transition Program where I would play 
music at the bedside of people who were dying. And often the people were unconscious. They were, their eyes were closed. They were breathing very shallowly. Sometimes they were right on that threshold between life and death. But we were always taught in my program that people are hearing and the hearing is the last sense to go. Um, so to keep, you know, keep the music going, keep the peaceful energy uh, as a way to allow the, the, the body to let go and allow that transition to happen to, what, to what's next and what's beyond. And so th- what's the relationship between, between hearing and the Tibetan Book of the Dead? Uh, that is, of course, uh, Tudor is uh, uh, somebody's uh, really focused with the body, speech, and mind with the devotion. Then you, in the kind of, you hear the meaning, then automatically liberates you. Yeah, so that's why they're called tutor. And the tutor means like you hear that. But just only you like hear glimpse or just few words. So, oh, okay, somebody's really, it's not really something there, but you have to be completely listening. So in the Buddha Dharma tradition is also we are in as a Buddhist the Buddha's teachings is the three wisdoms uh, and hearing and also investigation and the practice meditation. So first you have to hearing clearly to to follow Buddha Dharma. What Buddha Dharma means? Sometimes people think, oh, Buddha somewhere in India, pencil, da, 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 da. But the truth is we understand, oh, I heard the teachings of the Buddha is already is a person in my, within, within me. You see the hearing, then you can sort of uh, describe into investigating and study, then you can see as uh, the wisdom and compassion is we are many lifetimes in this lifetime, we are born with it. It's we don't need to go somewhere, we just kind of start. So that's why we have to realize investigating and study. Then we meditate in practice, then we are inseparable. So exactly the hearing is very, very important because if you sometimes some people, they don't hear the, the begin, they say, oh, uh, they don't hear the begin, but they just sort of what they hear, they think is like a, in the news and media, they just pick up one part, like, but the story have to be completely. So that's why it's the same as a music. The peaceful music makes us relax. When the relaxes, your channels, nerves, everything kind of opens. Then it's easy to liberate your soul, or you know, Westerners call soul, and in Tibetan Buddhists we call consciousness. The, the consciousness, the the consciousness, living very easily. So in the music gives the relaxation. And also somebody's dying, it's also, you gave hug. It's a beautiful gift saying, I love you, don't worry about us. Just connect with the God or when our the believes. And then automatically the person 
feels great and liberated. Like once the uh, one my friend, he went to the hospital intensive care. He said he was there three weeks, and the next bed there's an older man was dying. But the nurses, they come, they said, oh, he's still alive. Oh, he's still not dying. Like they talk like that. But one day, young nurse lady comes. She come and just give hug. This old man don't have family members come. She hugs, say, you know, we love you. The angels, the guardians, there for you. She was just talking to his ears. And like five, ten minutes, she hugged. And then she left. Five, ten minutes he died. Like it's, he just hear these beautiful words with this beautiful youth of this beautiful girl hugs him. And he said, I saw angel, real angel. The nurse, young nurse was a real angel. So the exactly same way you see somebody is suffering, sad or mad, you hear beautiful music, they like rather than it. Forget the sadness, the liberators, our minds. That's why it's very important music. But also, you know, music can be very sad music. It can be mad music. Uh, you see, there's a, all, the, you know, especially rock and roll or the Western world music. <laughs> Some all you can, which way you want to create music. You want to relaxation with the beautiful music, with the meditation. It's so beautiful way. We need a sound and we need a view to relaxation for a relative world to easy to meditate. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, the intention with which music is created obviously means is, is very important. Yeah, if somebody's dying, you just beautiful music, you... Think about, okay, this person died. I hope he's relaxed and he going to found the peace. And also this music, not just, uh, we think is all oh, this, is the, nothing here, but actually full of life. In the, everything is full of life. You just play music to benefit for all this, uh, uh, the consciousness world, this uh, like uh, atoms like world. Uh, so, and also the, through the meditation, you can, this music benefit for all the beings in the six realms in the universe. So you see a uh, so beautiful way of benefit others through the music too. Music is also can be, you know, mantra of compassion, music be any mantra. You can just do the mantra through silently and play with the music with the sound become, all the sound is the mantra in music. So there's so many ways we can talk about that sounds. So sounds make a difference in just the like a smile. You see one person smile, you see the morning you walk in somewhere, you see person smile you, then you feel some warm, just something you never forget. Somebody so sad, man, it gives you a cold face, then you feel like, oh, you know, the kind of the energy is how you give, how you receive. If for somebody so like a Buddhist, there doesn't matter which sound or which thing you see, it doesn't matter who doing things, it's a matter is you, how you receive. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting too, because the, you know, the, the 
parts of the Tibetan Book of the Dead that I've read are very uh, visual. So there's a lot of description of deities and colors. And I think maybe this is why it got an association with psychedelics. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of sounds. Too. There is sounds. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Oh, yeah. And all this difference in the psychedelics and things uh, with the substance, like the ancient shamans and the medicine means they are uh, introduce people to connect with the spirit world and this is naturally in the manifestations of the enlightened world of the wrathful deities and peaceful deities that's the difference see one is naturally one is uh, through the substance and uh, once uh, I was talk about this and uh, subject and one young man said, oh, you talk about not bad, bad about drugs and things, but the, all the native shamans, medicine men, they use it. Then my answer is, are you your shaman or are you native American? Are you, they use for rituals to connect with the people to spirit world, these four worlds of the native believers. Are you doing that or are you use your own weakness. That's the difference is. <laughs> so anything is how you use it, but uh, that's a difference is uh, through meditation to really the moment of death to you can, through the, all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, you can recognize this is like a opening the, all the mandalas. In the, the, the mandalas within, that's why we have the, the seeds of the good, seeds of bad, is within ourselves. Which seeds we want to nurture, that's a make a difference. You see, you want to nurture the enlightened world, then you have to use wisdom, compassion, loving kindness through the meditation and training the peace. Or you want to be nurtured the negativity, then just like, I want to be Wayne. I want to, like you see the right now war in Russia and Ukraine. Like if you see the politicians, they only care about money and they don't care about people's lives. You see difference. So the hard defense we, and we have both cells or seeds within our mind. Mm -hmm. So how we want to work. Yeah. We have the choice. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. beginning of the book you talk about uh, karma and rebirth and maybe this is a question for for Morty uh, that in so-called secular Buddhism or the sort of Americanized version of Buddhism I, I find that many people are very willing to accept basically all of the Buddha's teachings so about compassion and kindness and the importance of mindfulness and you know basically all of the steps of the Eightfold Noble Path but they often uh, so-called secular Buddhists will say no to karma and rebirth. They'll say, no, this is nonsense. It's magic. There's no way to prove it. There's no scientific uh, 
you know, there's no rational way to, to prove karma and rebirth. But could you talk about how central karma and rebirth actually are, especially when we talk about the context of the Tibetan Book of the Dead and, and the totality of the Dharma? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's just talk briefly about karma. <clears throat> you know, um, if I were to go and punch someone in the face, <laughs> that person's going to punch me back. Okay, so as soon as that happens, I start to believe in karma. It's very simple. And I think most Americans, not just Buddhists, believe in karma to some degree. Oh, that person, oh, he had it coming. Or, oh, that's because I did this. I yell at you, you yell at me. If I yell at you, I'm more likely to yell at you again. And I'm more likely to live in a house where there's a lot of yelling going on. So this is what karma means. It's very, very basic level. And I think most people would agree with that. Um, and why is that important? That's important because from the perspective of living happily, I have to break that habit now. So if I don't break that habit, I'm going to keep yelling. And people are going to keep yelling at me. And I'm going to be in an environment where there's a lot of yelling going on. So we have to break that habit. And another word for karma, which people don't know, you know, karma means action. A lot of people know that. That's wonderful. But karma can also mean habits. And so we have these habits that if we just keep, if we don't break them, they're just going to be with us, not just through now, but through the bardo and the next lifetime. So karma is very important to understand that if you want to be happy. Now, let's talk about how, you know, you mentioned about people don't believe in rebirth. Yeah, no, I understand that. That, that's, that might be difficult and people may not believe in afterlife. And in fact, in many Buddhist communities, they don't even talk about rebirth. They don't talk about the afterlife. They don't talk about, and, and that's fine, no, no problem. People believe it, great. If they don't believe it, that's okay. My personal feeling is I believe in science. And I think the Dalai Lama says that as well. He's very big on believing, you know, you can prove it to me scientifically, I'm there. And at this point in time, there is so much data out there on near-death experiences, on people who have died and then come back 10 minutes later, a day later, two days, weeks later, and they're alive. And what their experience was like in that bardo, in that afterlife. So that's one you know, uh, piece of evidence that I like to look to for myself. The other piece is right now there's thousands of children out there and, and, and adults too, but mostly children who remember what their previous lives were like. And so when I kind of look at all that and I hear it and I watch these children speak about what their experience was like in a previous lifetime, for me personally, it's very easy to believe in an afterlife and a rebirth. But even if you don't believe in that, that's okay. You know, we want people to have the opportunity to have a happy life and a liberated and a free life now, today, the rest of their lives. And the practices that, that of course, Lama Lanang teaches us and that Guru Rinpoche, who is the original author of the book, teaches us, that's what they're there for. It's not just, oh, when you die, do this and you'll be okay. <laughs> I wish it were that easy. It's no, if you, you know, in preparation for dying, here are these wonderful practices and teachings that will allow you to feel free, liberated, and happy 
now. And that will continue on in the next moments, days, months, years, until, until you pass. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, it seems as a, a, a theme that has come up today, and perhaps this is one of the, the many things you can take away from the wisdom of this book is surrender. So uh, I often think of karma and rebirth as, as, a, as an act of surrender of saying, you know, I don't understand the universe. I don't understand the mystery by which I have a consciousness and I go to sleep at night, I go into this dream world and somehow the consciousness in me continues to the next day. Like that to me is as strange as rebirth or, or anything in Buddhist cosmology. You know, it's just, it's, it, we get accustomed to things. So, you know, we kind of take it for granted, but uh, yeah. Yeah. um, The karma is, uh, you see, instant karma. Mm -hmm. And just the more you start, if you punch somebody, they punch bad. It's like that. It's uh, obvious, like instant karma. Yeah. Then some karma is that last lifetime comes in this life. Mm-hmm. And some karma, even though many lifetimes karma come in this lifetime. So, uh, but the karma. Everybody wants to have good karma and we want to be skip the bad karma. But the karma is like uh, birds fly in a high part of the sky. When you look, you don't see the shadow of the birds because they fly so high. But the birds land, then you can't get rid of the shadow. Exactly. The karma is like a shadow. Mm-hmm. The karma is the seeds of the karma is our mind, not our actions. Even though person doing like a sort of, for example, somebody giving like, like feed to the lot of homeless. Wow, he's doing some good karma. And that's amazing, but it karma grows from the motivation. The, the, the motivation. This person's motivation is, oh, I have some money. I have some abundance. I want to have done of it, others. That's the kind of motivation we need. But some think, oh, I'm rich. I'm, people think I'm a good person. You see the, in Mexico, sometimes the politicians, uh, the election comes. They buy a lot of rice and buy stays in poor neighborhoods. They give, give a lot, but they want to be the, the election. That's why they do it, you mm-hmm. see. Exactly, karma in the depends. Also, therefore, the mind, maybe sometimes we kill something, we do something, it's obvious. We think it's bad karma, but... Sometimes you're you're in your bed or you're sitting in your sofa. We create bad karmas. We look at the politician or somebody in the television. We like, I wish somebody kill him or kill her. And uh, we really think that we really put into this karmic world. That means uh, truly we create bad karma. That's why even though there's somebody doing bad or thing. Only send love and prayers. And what does is if you wish to somebody kill and you're mad, 
actually you're not hurting that politician, it's hurting yourself. Mm. You see, yeah. you're the one mad. You're the one mad, then actually hurting your partner too because your partner feels you're mad. Your children feel too, your friend feels too. So you carry also same negative energy as that person. So when you carry the love and kindness, I just praying and sending the love and kindness and wisdom to this person, politician or person, then automatically actually works this love and kindness and wisdom rises in your heart. That your partner feels, your family feels. So in the so it's a karma is kinda obvious these days so many children remembers. Even though some children have problems with neck, uh, they have breathing problems because prior period karma somebody cut their neck. That's still carrying some. Uh, anyway, there's this kinda now scientific people, all the religious they believe is uh, afterlife. And the Buddhist is long time ago, so Buddha told it's like uh, only we just lose this body, but the body is like a clothes, everyday change, you know? You you go to work every day, you dress up different ways, but you're the same person. The same way, when you die, you can take your family or your wealth or your home or car, but who's you go with you is karma. So. The karma is there's so many ways we can talk about karma of the body, mm -hmm. karma of the speech, karma of the mind. The, the king of the karma is the, our mind. Mm. Sorry, I'm just I'm enjoying the wind chimes at your your space too, Lama. That's why I, I pause often. I listen to the wind chimes. Yeah, musician. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Anything else that you would like to say about the book? Um, so it's coming out in July, is that correct? June 27th. June 27th, okay, cool. We're having a big party to celebrate that. Nice. Yeah, and it's a, it's a wonderful book. You know, I, I think the, um, the For Beginners part of the title will invite a lot of people who maybe, you know, maybe know the title or they've, they've heard of it in different contexts, but it's a great entryway. And I love the, uh, the appendices to these, these uh, practices you have for developing wisdom and compassion. And um, yeah, just, just these little portals to go deeper. So there's a lot of places in the book where people, if they want to go deeper, they can research and, and, and go to the sources that you've, uh, that you've cited in the book. So um, best of luck with the book and congratulations on, on, on writing it and your partnership together. And yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. You, you're also, you see automatically, you karmically, you're part of that too. So thank you for doing this interview. Thank you very much, Michael. We really appreciate getting the word out because we think uh, it's going to help be a benefit to a lot of people and that'd be magnificent. And thank you for listening to The Sounds of Sand. We invite you to explore more of our talks, dialogues, videos, articles, events, and offerings through our website, scienceandnonduality.com. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider becoming a member to access our massive library of sand content, available exclusively to sand members. 
And we would love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. And share this episode with your family, friends, and all sentient beings. Be well.